Well, Oregon had a flip, and then they got a commit, and the commit, Kingston Lopa, a four-star safety, he's filling a big need in 2024, and it's a smart move from Dan Lanning and his staff. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks, which is why if you haven't already, you should like, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single Order. We've got Brian Smith here today. He is our Locked On Recruiting Insider. We've got lots to get to. A guy who chose the Ducks, a guy who chose not to choose the Ducks, and uh, all that coming up and more on today's show. But Brian, it's uh, it's kind of busy season on the recruiting front right now because we're not in the dead period. So are you staying alive over there? Uh, it's been rather busy in Florida, especially if you're near Gainesville. Um, They've got nine commitments this month over there at UF, but uh, it's hot and I'm just staying in the air conditioning. That's what I'm doing. That's a smart, that's a smart way to go about it. That's the thing I like about podcasting. We can sit in nice air controlled climates and just kind of sit back and talk about the news of the day. And the biggest news for the ducks on the recruiting front right now is they land a four-star safety in the 2024 class in Kingston Lopa, who amongst other schools was considering Washington and a couple other power five institutions, but Oregon gets him out of the state of California. Let's start with the the, the profile of, of kind of what you see from this guy on film. Cause I think this is filling a real need for Oregon positionally. And I think, you know, you want to have variance in every recruiting class for sure. But when you look at Oregon's safety room right now and what it projects to be next year, sure, they might be able to bring in some transfers, but you can't always necessarily bank on that. So I like having a depth of guys. And with Tyler Turner and Cody DeCambra and now Kingston Lope in there with Aaron Flowers, they're kind of solidifying that position with young guys going forward. So what what have you seen from, from Kingston Lope? What are the Ducks getting here? He has one of the most unique huddle films I've seen in a long time, and it all starts with the first play. He's going to probably play safety at the college level, and that's great. But his first play is at receiver, and he doesn't get the ball. So why would you put that first? It's because he absolutely mugged the guy in front of him on a block. He's just a physical football player. And that kind of showed me his attitude before he even went into plays two and on down the line. But he's a thumper at 6'5", and he's he's a thin kid. He's rangy, has a lot of room to grow. I'm going to guess that he ends up at 215, 220 when he's done. I don't know what position he'll end up long term, but I imagine he'll move around. He can play over the slot. He could be even an outside linebacker at some point in like a dime package. And today's football is about as close to position as football as you can get. If you talk about that basketball a lot, in football it's getting that way on defense because you don't know where guys are going to line up, play to play. It's really hard. Lopa fits the bill because he can be any one given place on any play. So you can counter what the other team does. I absolutely loved his film. So it's – Funny to hear you mention that he played some receiver in high school or at least has some experience there because the guy who I compared him to just based on his frame is Brian Addison, who's going to be a starting safety for the Ducks this year, who was recruited like Lopa as a four-star athlete. I think Addison as well was out of the state of California, and he started with the Ducks 
playing wide receiver, didn't do great there, has gone over to safety, and I think looks awesome over there. And like Lopa, a physical football player, six foot five, a, a little bit thinner. So that's who I kind of see as, you know, being a, a potential comparison here for Lopa in terms of what player he could be for the Ducks and the role he could fill for the defense one day down the line. But you talk about his physicality. Is this a guy who you're putting in the box on the back end of the defense or who you can put, uh, you know, a little bit, like you said, anywhere on the field? Is there a spot where you think he fits the most? Short-term, deep secondary. Long-term, closer to the box. He's going to gain weight. I mean, conservatively, kids, even if they're not football players, usually gain about 20 pounds in college. What do you think he's going to do when he's got Oregon strength and conditioning program? So 210 to 215 is like bottom end where he's going to be. And he can run, he can do all those things, but as you gain weight, you're not going to move as well laterally, most likely. That's why I think that hybrid spot, especially against teams like Washington State, they can really spin it and they want to, you know, try to spread you out. You got to have those guys because who's going to guard the big tight end? Who's going to guard the six four receiver? Guys like Lopa, you can change where you put them play to play and keep the other team off guard. I cannot stress enough how valuable that is. Yeah, and I think that you see guys moving around quite a bit. You know, Oregon fans think about a guy like uh, uh, Bennett Williams this past year who played up close to the line of scrimmage and also played all the way back at the back end of of Oregon's defense a year ago. Now, sometimes that's not where uh, he he had the most success. But being able to, you know, as a defensive coordinator, Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy, these are the sorts of guys that that they want to have, right? Who they can blitz, who they can match up with a tight end, who they can have play over the top. I think that sort of versatility is uh, is, is a good thing to have defensively and, and just kind of a good different body type. He's certainly the tallest of any of the safeties that Oregon will have in, in their room coming from the high school ranks uh, going forward beyond uh, this season. Last thing on, on, on Lopa here, Brian, is this is another kid that, that Oregon pulls out of the state of, of California, Washington, Arizona, Michigan, Oklahoma were, were some of the, the biggest names who were, who were going after this kid. W- would you say it's a commitment that made, you know, huge ripples in, in the recruiting community? Or is it just kind of another, you know, solid ho-hum, there's another four-star kid for, for the Ducks? I don't think it's either one. I think he's just a good player, but he's in California. Kids that live over in my neck of the woods get more attention because there's more media members here. It's just true. The East Coast has a lot more recruiting analysts. So he's a really good football player, but because he's in California and he took mostly visits to Pac-12 schools, he's not going to get the hype he deserves. He could absolutely play at Michigan. And this just in, they have a great defense. So that kind of tells you all you need to know. Yeah, absolutely. I want to move on to the other piece of recruiting news that that came down for the Ducks recently on the negative side of things. I don't think it's cause for panic or anything of of that sort, but Tysier Denmark, who I think was one of the three or four first commits in Oregon's 2024 class, flipped over uh, to, or he he hasn't officially flipped to Penn State. I was looking at this before we came on to record the show He's like expected to flip to Penn State, but he's definitely decommitted from from Oregon. Like, are, are you are you aware of like what exactly is happening there? Uh, I can. T- this is the in the back rooms of the recruiting analyst world. Something that we don't like, but it, it goes on all the time. I guarantee you, he knows where he's going, and one of the networks wants him to get on some time slot to announce it. That's how this works. It's not friendly. It's not. It's not fashionable, but that's what sells advertising. So. Yeah. Oh. 
I get it. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I, I yeah, that's, that's that's the name of the game at, at some level in in college sports here. But I wanted your your insight, Brian, on you know what goes into a kid deciding to flip his verbal commitment. And it's not as if these kids have written or signed anything until signing day actually comes around. But what have you seen go into or, or even heard with this specific uh, flip from the Ducks? What kind of goes into that process for a kid deciding, you know, I'm no longer going to go with this school. I'm going to go with, with that one over there. It could be a million things. First off, we're dealing with kids that are 16 to 18 years old. So consistency and logic are not always a part of the equation. That's the first thing you got to know because it's just true. The other one is change. Sometimes family situations go awry. Uh, I know if there's a kid that committed and signed with Oklahoma last year, he just transferred back to the state of Florida to go to UCF. It's got a family issue. It happens. So you got to look at that. And then finally, how did Penn State recruit him originally as compared to the Ducks? That's what most people want to know. Penn State does a tremendous job of recruiting. And to be honest, I was really surprised to see Oregon get him to commit early. I'm like, Surprised Penn State didn't get that kid. Well, for whatever reason, he's changed his mind there. I mean, they've got a great staff, so you got to give them credit. Um, it's, you know, tradition-rich school that's like two hours from where Happy Valley, where he goes to high school. So it could be any one of those, and maybe it's a combination, but there is no one mark for why it happens. Well, there's a couple more things to, to get to with, with that Tysier Denmark uh, flip over to, to Penn State, including where Oregon could go to maybe get another receiver in the 2024 class. But next, we're all going to be putting on bird dog shorts. I imagine because summer is officially here and bird dog shorts make you look good. Their stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg by giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They fit better than regular shorts. They're made of a stiff, restricting cotton. They're not like that at all. And you can wear them anywhere on a hike, on a walk, golf course, date, swimming, hiking, which I already said, maybe you're a double hiker kind of person. I don't know. Whatever you want to do, Bird Dog shorts are there for you all summer long. Go to birddogs.com slash college for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash college for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off this summer. We promise you, so go get, go get your next order today. All right, every day is no. That's our second segment sip, which means we're ready to continue. So Oregon now kind of, not entirely, but kind of goes back to the drawing board, so to speak, on you know where they might look to fill the, the void left at receiver in the 2024 cycle. They do still have two commits there in, in Jordan Anderson and, and Dylan Gresham, both four-star guys for, for the Ducks in, in this class. But I have been hearing some buzz, Brian, on another four-star guy, Ryan Pelham, who's quite the speedster. What have you heard on, on where he is at and where the Ducks kind of stand? The Ducks are right there. And for Florida fans or for Texas fans, Oregon fans, whatever, every school wants to hear they're getting the speed guy. This kid can flat out float. He's from the greater Los Angeles area. He's a track kid. He can fly. Not the biggest kid, a buck 70 or so, but all the Pac-12 schools have been after him. Um, it's interesting when a kid is from Long Beach, UCLA and USC are the automatic thoughts for obvious reasons. They're an hour or less away. But I've heard Oregon for him for a while. Now, maybe maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's maybe it's not. But again, these are 17 year olds. So until otherwise proven, that's my pick. But I'm, I'm always nervous about USC with any receiver as long as a certain head coach is there, too. 
Now, his, it, yeah, it turns out there's this guy down at, at USC who knows a thing or two or 7,000 about <laughs> about offense that uh, makes yeah. him appealing to, to wide receiver targets. I mean, you've had guys go in there over the years like Dorian Singer via the portal where it's like, wait, you have a you have a role in a productive offense at Arizona, but you want to go over there, winning NIL, offense, scheme, you know, all, all, all of that uh, sort of stuff. So Oregon has to contend with it there. But my understanding is that Pelham's commitment date is, is coming up here pretty shortly. That's true. But the other thing with this, and I, I know this gets beaten to death, summer commitments are great. I just want to see if he takes and sets up any visits. Let's say picks up Oregon. Does he set a visit for Oregon in the fall, even if it's unofficial for a game? For a kid from L.A., that's the first thing I want to know with Washington, Arizona, Oregon, Oregon State, get him. Again, that area makes me nervous. They got to recruit it, but it makes me nervous. You got to get that kid back on campus. So I think he'll pick Oregon, but I need more to believe he's going to sign, too. That's the other part of this equation. So is it essentially down to Oregon and USC, or do you think UCLA has a puncher's chance, or is there, is there an outside candidate there? There's always an outside candidate for LA kids because every school in the country recruits it. That's why it's so volatile. It's been that way since before I was born, and it always will be. You have to recruit LA if you're a Pac-12 or Big 12 school. Right. I mean, so, it's, it's just too hard not to do it. Right. And, and so they, they, they've, or they, Oregon, have had him – on campus already right and you're wondering if they can get him on campus oh again. yeah it's there's a history you can pick whatever school you want in state out of state etc when you get kids on your campus multiple times the chances of you signing that kid go up exponentially especially again when you're like competing with a school that it's in their backyard i mean that kid can drive from his house and go see lincoln riley in an hour or less i mean look it's just right. it's just that's convenience at its finest. So you want him to get back on campus for one of the big games Oregon has in September, October. I'm just going to go ahead and shout that out now because it's not like UCLA, USC, or quite frankly, Oklahoma or anybody else is going to give up on that kid. You keep recruiting. So one thing that happened after uh, the or Denmark uh, decommitment was Oregon's recruiting class for 2024 fell out of the top five, still in the top 10, sitting at, at number eight in the 24-7 overall uh, composite rankings. But this is something that you and I talked about, I'm pretty sure it was last week on the show, which is, look, Oregon's class is sitting top five right now. Not going to be easy to keep it there. Doesn't mean they can't, but you might have a kid or two flip. I was more talking about it in the vein of, look, there are so many big names on the board. Oregon's not going to land all of them and whatnot. But Pelham is a guy that, you know, would seemingly from just a recruiting standpoint, you know, replace uh, Denmark, who, you know, is still a talented kid that I would have loved for Oregon to have had. I don't think it's crushing necessarily to their class to lose him. But if Pelham were to end up choosing the Ducks and stay committed throughout the entirety of the process up to National Signing Day, the first one being in in December, what would that do for Oregon's class, you think? Would it kind of, you know, get them back to, to where they were? Or would it just kind of keep them, you know, holding steady where they're at right now? I mean, Pelham's really good, but like him, Denmark, et cetera, any kid that's not like top 30 or whatever, it's only going to jump so much. Okay. Once you get into the, like the top five, eight schools, the difference between like six and seven and being like number two is small. But at the same time, when they're making these moves, it's usually with five-star kids. That's what moves the needle. Uh, look at Florida the last few days. I mean, it's insane how many commitments they got. Depending on the network, they're ranked like number two or three now. They weren't even top five prior. 
they get, they just got so many kids. It was ridiculous. And they got Jamonte Waller, a kid that everybody wanted out of Mississippi. So when you get both, that that's the best way to go. But five-star kids, man, that's what moves the needle in the rankings. And that's not going to change today. Yeah. Right now, Florida, according to 24 seven sports sitting at uh, number three in the 2024 cycle behind Michigan and, and Georgia. Interestingly enough, Michigan, the only one that doesn't have a five-star and, there are only three teams that have a five-star in the 2024 cycle right now, Georgia, Florida, and Ohio State with three, two, and and two apiece. But a, a, another interesting note, when you look at these rankings, Brian, Oregon in a great place at, uh, at, at number eight with 11 four-stars and five three-stars right now. But do you know off the top of your head who's sitting right behind them at this moment at number nine? Oh, gosh, I have no idea. Who is it? Stanford. I know it. It does. It does. It doesn't sound right. But they landed Elijah Brown a couple days ago, a guy who had you know kind of popped good up. Player. Yeah, good yeah, good player coming from modern day. Like he's the next modern day quarterback, right? My, Matt Leinart, uh, I think Matt Barkley went to yeah, went to modern day. Be. Bryce Young, of course. So a lot of big names coming out of there, and Elijah Brown kind of carrying the torch for for Stanford there. Not that this is a Stanford podcast, but that in and of itself is uh, is fascinating to me. But also speaks to you know, what, what I'm kind of talking about here, which is there's still a lot of movement left on the board with regards to how many five-star, I mean, only seven are committed to the top 10 recruiting schools in the country. There's still a, a long way to go in, in all this sort of stuff, which is a semi-decent enough transition, at least in my view, since I'm the host of the show, to a question that I got from, from one of you. As a reminder to all you fans listening or watching out there, mailbag is always open all summer, all year long. YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks. And, and this one came in, Brian about recruiting rankings and the general notion of it, I'll whittle it down because it was, uh, you know, kind of uh, wordy and such, which is fine, of course. But it was basically about whether or not there's there's any inflation of sorts in recruiting rankings, because you see so many kids that get a four or five star rating nowadays that never end up making an impact or aren't, you know, the big time prospects everyone thought they were. You know, Oregon's had a lot of kids who came in as four-star recruits over the years and you watched them play and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a, like that's a good, solid player, but maybe just kind of average to mildly above average and, and such. My, my initial reaction, I obviously want your takeaway as well, is I think there's just so much talent across the country that you're seeing more kids get a four-star rating or get in that in that range. I mean, certainly on Oregon's radar because we're able to recruit at that sort of level, number one. But number two, High school football and college football are so intertwined and they're growing so much and they are so valuable to kids and families across the country that they are working harder and more diligently to make themselves into the best recruits possible. So I think you just have, I I don't think, I, I wouldn't get the sense anyway that it's an inflation of ratings as much as it is there's just more talent across the country because the trajectory of football is continuing to go up and up. What do you think? I think that you hit on a lot of the key points there. The training has changed a lot. Uh, here in Florida, where I live, there are trainers all over the place. Kids will end up going to a high school, transferring or whatever, which happens a lot here in Florida too. And you'd be like, I saw him last year. Well, he doesn't look like that anymore. They've gained 20 pounds. Their technique's better. And they've already been ranked. You know what I mean? Like, And if they play at some BFE school, 
then, you, you know, they may not get ranked again because they're up in the panhandle. Or they're in South Georgia or something like that. Or if they're in Oregon, it's hard to rank these kids, man. I get to see like the Florida kids get overranked in some ways because we see them so often. But there are kids just as good in other places that get seen one time. What if that kid was hurt that night? How do you rank that kid? Yeah. So rankings will never, ever be remotely, remotely consistent in certain areas. Think about the kids that you and know, I talked about this off air. Oregon doesn't produce a lot of players, but even like the two or three that are going to have to play for the Ducks or the Beebs or whatever, how often do they really get scouted? I mean, it's probably, just, probably not as often as a kid who's at modern day, who everyone knows is exactly. a high four or five star recruit who's going to get, you know, various looks from, from scouts and uh, directors of player personnel and all that sort of stuff. To put it in perspective, modern day, they've got a senior running back that's really good. The number one running back in the country for the junior class is from modern day. He doesn't, I mean, it's, it's just insane. Like to, to have that many guys at one spot. So you have to go scout there. But when you go, you can only watch so much. Sometimes you got to see a school more than once. Well, there's got this, this kid at this other school. We don't get to see him at all. That happens all over the place. I get parents that complain about it, coaches and stuff. And I always tell them the same thing. Look, we have to sell subscriptions. We have to sell advertising. We have to see as many players as possible in one spot. Makes a lot of people mad, but it's true. That's why I go to Fort Lauderdale, Miami, Orlando, Tampa. It's more bang for your buck. Recruiting rankings are very, very subjective, and there's no way to do it accurately because so many of the kids are remote. It's, it's just impossible. Yeah, and there's no way at any level of sport in any sport to do player evaluation with a 100% accuracy. It has never happened. It yeah. will never happen. You can find busts in every first round of every major professional draft yeah. probably for the last – I pr probably in every draft there, there isn't there's there, no there, way that you're not because of injuries alone right yep. and then then kids how many kids get money and then they can't handle it mm -hmm. that one oh stories that i have i can't tell on the air are just the same <laughs> yeah but, but i mean e e even even draft. just looking in today's today's climate like john morant's in a situation now where it's like oh boy yeah he's in he's in a lot of trouble with that sort of stuff because it is a lot of responsibility to, you know, at the professional level, be the face of a franchise. It's a lot of responsibility to, you know, be the face of a power five football or basketball program. And not every kid is ready for that. And you have to think back to, you know, what you were like at 18, 19, 20 years old. We don't like to think that we would have handled it correctly if we were in that situation, but we can't know. We don't know. We don't know what that feels like. You don't know what it does to, to your ego, to your, you know, all, all your vices you might have as an individual when you get that sort of money, fame, attention, publicity, and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's something that's tough to quantify. And then the injuries as well. Of course, Justin Flo popped into my head. He was dominant the one sure. healthy game he played for Oregon. Then he got hurt. And then when he played this past year, he just never – he never looked like the same same version of himself, and that adds uh, an unpredictable component as well. Another thing that's unpredictable is how many quarterbacks Oregon could take after this class. I think we can safely say we're going to stand pat at two in in twenty twenty four. But I've gotten I've gotten questions from some people out there about hey, could we take two quarterbacks again in twenty twenty five? And the answer is you know logistically yes, we we absolutely could. Now, the one that everyone is already looking at is Achilles Smith Jr., who's not just a good prospect, but a legacy and 
he's like a legacy plus for for Oregon, and so I think that's why the fans have kind of you know grown attached to him, which I totally understand. But after taking two quarterbacks in twenty twenty four, Brian, is it out of the realm of possibility that they could take? You know, let's say Achilles Smith does commit one day, him and one other quarterback recruit for the next recruiting cycle. That depends on the following two questions. Who transferred and when? There's, I mean, there's no other sport that has the transfer portal problems that quarterback presents for football coaches because you usually only play one guy and these guys aren't real patient. That's it. Somebody leaves every year just about off any given roster. It's insane. Go track Alabama, go track Texas, whatever school you want over the last 10 years. Even before this immediate eligibility started, there were a lot of volatile situations. Now, it's incredible. So if they get somebody, I assume they're going to get the legacy. I mean, maybe, for all I know, he could go to Oregon State. That would be a great story within itself. I mean, I I would wear a beef shirt on this show if that happened. That would just be hilarious. (laughs) That would just be hilarious. How but to get it, Oregon fans to turn on you in two seconds flat. Well, I mean, if he went to Oregon State, I don't think I would be the one they would be most mad at. No, that's um, probably true. <laughs> but in all honesty, like, it just depends. Like, if you don't lose anybody, there's no reason to take two. You go after Smith Jr., and if you don't get him, like, you have a couple other backups. You, I mean, if you got two guys and they're okay with working it out down the line, you don't need two guys in the next class. I mean, that's just how I look at it. That's that's a lot of that's a lot of people at the end. So it would have to be the exact right scenario where one of the two in this class left or somebody else on the roster got injured, something like that, because four guys in two classes is a lot of scholarship space. Yeah, which is not it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that, you know, either Moga or Van Buren, who I could 100 percent see starting one day for the Ducks. I don't think it's a ridiculous notion to say, okay, one of them could end up starting and the other one ends up transferring out because they're in the same class. So, you know, best case scenario, one guy redshirts while the other guy doesn't. And then there's one year for that other guy to start. Like, that's a big risk. Now, again, maybe they want to do that. Maybe they like Oregon that much. But I I think I'm with you that you'd have to have some serious movement. And also, I think a lack of movement into the, the quarterback room going into that that cycle and, and the timeline and such. So I, I think he hit the nail on the head right there as usual. Brian Smith is our Locked On recruiting insider here at the network. Love having you on every week, Brian. Thank you so much. Absolutely, buddy. Have a great one. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And until then, as always, go Ducks.